0: everyone, this is episode 699 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, December 20th, 2019. I am your host, Mark Krishnez, and today I'll be talking about Cardpocalypse, Tools Up, Demon Pit, Stramium Immortally, and the latest Williams collection for Pinball FX3 Volume 5, which collects Tales of the Arabian Nights, Circus Voltaire, and No Good Gophers. But... Before I get to all that I have been playing, I want to take a little bit of time to go over my games of the decade. So I have a top ten and then ten honorable mentions. How long am I going to spend on all these games? I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time, but I created the list and I mainly did it for the Player One Podcast Discord, and it was a fun process that probably took maybe two hours in total because I went to Wikipedia and just did 2010 in gaming, 2011, etc. And went through every single game that was released. Of course, they don't have every game. They're not going to have every single Steam game or or whatnot, but prominent releases are on there. And I went through every decade, then took out any game that stood out as a contender, one that I could see potentially making my top 20, Um, and then I whittled it down to the top 10, and then 10 honorable mentions. The honorable mentions are not in any order, so it's not like 11, 12, 13, they're just 10 honorable mentions, 10 games that almost made the top 10, but didn't. So I'm going to start with the top 10. So we have Yakuza 0, which I played early this year for the first time, and it was my first time with Yakuza since the very first game on PS2, and I adored it. I think that the gameplay can get pretty repetitive, and after a while, you'll want to avoid fights. Uh, Even though they can be fun and silly, they just kind of become really tedious and get in the way of getting to a new mission or or story bit. And that's a little annoying, but what I love about Yakuza is the world and how full of life it is and how many various little side missions there are to do and how good the story was that that's the thing that blew me away about Yakuza 0 and I don't know if that holds true for the series as a whole but Yakuza 0 has an amazing story that is powerful and surprisingly moving it's very well told and well acted and it's just not something I expected I expected to be surrounded by a lot more silliness and there's plenty of silliness in the side missions and, and the things you're doing that aren't related to the main story, but the main story is very serious in, in many ways. There'll be over-the-top action sequences and stuff like that, but the core of the story is really heartbreaking, and it made me fall in love with Majima, who I've always known as more of a outlandish character, and you kind of see why that happens to him, but what makes him turn. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited that the yakuza games are coming to xbox one we're getting uh if you don't remember yakuza zero and then Kawami one and two early next year i believe and they'll be on game pass and i assume that after a certain amount of time we'll be getting the remasters of three four and five as well um and then six probably too. uh i hopefully i think six is a ps4 release as well um but yeah love that game very very much then there's Onrush, which... Really, that could have made my top 10, but... Looking at my top 10, it's just... There's there's no room for it. But Onrush is the only racer on my list at all. Uh, as much as I love the Forza series, I enjoy those in the moment, but then... I, I move on or whatever, you know? The, the next one comes, and it's like, okay. Just more of the same to an extent, and just... I don't know, I, I, I really like playing the Forza games, but I never think of them outside of when I'm playing them. On Rush, I would think about, and I still think about, even when I'm not playing it. I recently went back and played some more because I got my dad to try it out, and he loves it, which just goes to show how accessible it is, given the fact that it's a team-based racer, and it's not about getting it in first place. Even if you're not the best racer, the quote-unquote best racer, You can contribute to a team, and you can feel a sense of accomplishment, which is really nice. It's also beautiful, it runs really well, and it's just a ton of fun to play. Um, I I love the MotorStorm series on PS3, and this is the closest we've gotten to something like that, but I I would also say that this is better. I I just... The more I think about OnRust, the more I appreciate it and love its uniqueness and I'm just so happy that I I got around to playing it and and enjoyed it as much as I did. Then there's N++ which is probably my favorite platforming series. I love the N series. I loved N++ on Xbox Live Arcade and I love N++ on all the platforms it's on. I have it for... PS4, Xbox One, PC, I don't think I have it for Switch, but I just, th- there's not much to say about the end series, uh, you play as a little stick figure ninja, and you're going around these environments, usually flipping switches, then open doors so that you can clear the level, and it's time-based, uh, more so in that you have a certain number of levels to complete a section, and you will be collecting these little, like, gold uh, pieces in, in a level that will add to your time and you want to end with as much time as possible and it's just very hectic with homing missiles and traps that are meant to kill you it's trials and similar in that vein where you will die a lot but you can instantly restart and it's very satisfying watching your ninja get killed is super satisfying as you see them get blown to smithereens and their limbs go flying all over the, uh, the space it's just very fun, and I love the feel of the jump and, and the general platforming. it's very uh, focused on momentum. Uh, it, it is floaty, which in many cases would be a negative for a platformer, but the end series gets floaty right. It, it knows how to do floaty, and the momentum that you build up and all, it's just... It is super satisfying, I adore that series, and I really like the look of it, it's, it's simple, uh, but I think there's a lot of personality that comes in that simplicity. Then there's Middle-earth Shadow of Mordor. I don't think this would have ended up making my list, not Mordor, but I'm kind of disappointed that I still haven't gotten around a Shadow of War. and I'm not sure exactly why. I think it's just because I knew it would be a a long game and I didn't have the time and I just never got around to it. And then I heard people complaining about the the way the game works near the end game where you have to spend a lot of time building up a bait. I don't know, but Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor took me by surprise. I am not a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I enjoy the movies, but I've never read the books. Don't care for the hobbit stuff which isn't important but um i really just loved the nemesis system i think that may be my favorite innovation of this generation and it's something that i really expected more games to steal and no real game that i can think of has taken it to heart and done something interesting with it and in, uh, integrated on it um, that I can think of. Maybe there's some indie games that have messed around with it and maybe there are some bigger games that have done it but none that I know of. The Nemesis system made it such a different experience and, and it made it feel more alive than a lot of other games. The story was whatever. I don't even remember anything about the story. I don't know who the hell you're playing or what's going on um, but the gameplay was solid, and I, I just loved the Nemesis system and seeing the way things would play out after I'd kill a, a general or make them submit and have them join my site and then send them out. Like, I just thought that was so interesting. And I'm most surprised that that system or something similar didn't end up in Crackdown 3. It just made so much sense for Crackdown with the whole here are these various generals or whatever. Um, it would have fit that so well. Um, and if we still were having Mercenaries games it would have fit that too with the whole deck of cards thing but we haven't seen one of those since like 2008 I think that was Mercenaries 2 but yeah love that game Uh, then there's Hitman 2 and I adore the Hitman series I thought the first season of Hitman was really good and then Hitman 2 just made it better and allowed you to uh Add your the, the the levels from Hitman, so it's it's better from top to bottom. And there's literally no reason to play the original Hitman anymore because you have all the levels, and you have new mechanics, and looks real good. Um, it's just like I, I don't know what to say about Hitman. It, it's a it's a game that I love, in that it's really uh, focused on exploration, experimentation, and organic uh, just an organic nature where you see how things play out and things will sometimes go according to plan and sometimes they won't. It's just fun seeing how things will end up playing out. Um, I love that series very very much. I wish I was still into it but the the, the what do they call they're not human targets The the things that they have every like month or so I, the elusive targets. I like those a lot, but I never, I guess I, I would have to follow them on Twitter to know when they're happening. And once I missed one of them and wasn't able to get it, I was just like, okay, I'm out. I'm always going to see when I look at the list of elusive targets. Oh, I, I didn't get around to this one. And then I was just like, I'm done. Like that That is something that happens with me, at least, and I think other people in a lot of these type of games where there's a schedule of things happening and, uh, you you do it every week or whatever, or however often it happens. You always do it. And then if you miss one, then that whole rhythm is broken. And you're like, okay, I'm free. I'm free of this thing that I felt like I had to keep doing. So after that happened, I just kind of fell off. But I, I still really love that game. Then there's Resident Evil 2 Remake. I fell in love with the Resident Evil series this year, starting with... The remake of Resident Evil, which I adore, and I I still go back and forth. I'm not sure which I like more, because Resident Evil the the remake, uh, remaster, whatever, uh, is, is much more traditional. You know, they don't change the formula that much. Whereas Resident Evil 2 uh, really changes the way it feels significantly. But I, I played through the game twice, and despite that, I still think about it. Even though there are other games that I need to play about playing through it again and that, that's in part because it is a relatively short campaign especially when you know where you need to go and all that you can get through it in under four hours uh, I think there are people who uh, those who really know it can get under or around two hours probably um, but I, I love that game it's gorgeous it's one of the best looking games I've played ever and I enjoy the story uh, as campaign as dumb as it is and I guess People who play the original and really liked it were annoyed by the Leon Ada kiss. I didn't have a problem with it, but uh, I didn't have any history with the, the game to be like, "Oh, why are you doing this?" Um, but I I love that game. Then there's Titanfall Two, which really surprised me. Even though I heard great things about the single player campaign, the campaign is fantastic. It feels great, and while the story is nothing special the relationship you get with your titan is so wonderful it's such a fantastic buddy cop type of relationship as you play through the campaign and it does some really cool things with um, time travel and stuff like that and, and going through rifts and changing back and forth that is really cool it's just a very cool fun well designed single player campaign one of the best first person shooter campaigns I've ever played Uh, and that's entirely why it's on this list because I don't really care about the multiplayer Uh, if it was, if Titanfall 2 had Apex Legends, if they were like the same game and the multiplayer of Titanfall 2 was Apex Legends it'd probably be in my top 10 Um, spoilers, Apex Legends did not make my honorable mentions even though it is my game of the year above Resident Evil 2 Remake Um, then there's Elder Scrolls Skyrim. I love the Elder Scrolls games. I still don't think anyone has or or no game since Morrowind has topped Morrowind Uh, but Skyrim was a vast improvement over Oblivion which I I enjoyed when I played Oblivion but looking back and whenever I think about it it's it's so very samey and Skyrim is closer to Morrowind and feeling vast and just full of more than just a bunch of fucking trees all over the place and green everywhere um, but it, you know it's a, it's an elvis shows game there's not much to say about it. Uh, it it's fun to just have this giant world that you can explore you come across a cave or you come across a village uh and maybe the village is abandoned or maybe it's full of monsters and you learn more about the world in that sense it, it's fun to explore the world the main stories are never all that interesting I don't care about the dragons or anything like that um But i really like that game then we've got alan wake which is a remedy game makers of control quantum break max bane one and two and alan wake is a game that i really liked in the moment but as more time passes like i just think of it more and more fondly and it's a game i would really like to replay at some point it still looks fantastic it to have some of the best nighttime lighting in a game still to this date. And it just mechanically, I really like the, the action of it, of using your flashlight to break a shadow shield to uh, weaken them, to make them uh, susceptible to your your bullets. Um, it just, it's, a, it's a very fun, tense, uh, atmospheric game that just, Remedy has never made a bad game. I, I think Quantum Break is fantastic as well. I just think the ending isn't all that great and the TV show bits are okay, but the game itself is was, is was a lot of fun to play. And then the last game on this list is Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. I love the Metal Gear Solid series. I loved all the portable main entries. I've never played Acid or Acid 2, but... I love Portable Ops and Portable Ops Plus, and then uh, Peace Walker, I loved as well, and I just think that those games, you know, they all came to introduce things that ended up in later games, like Metal Gear Solid Five, with the whole, what's the name of that thing, but, you know, the system of knocking someone out and then putting the little parachute thing on them and taking them to your base... Uh, I love that system. Uh, I love the bite-sized nature of of Peace Walker. It's just a great handheld Metal Gear Solid game. So yeah, moving on to my top 10. So number 10, Red Dead Redemption 2. And if you're wondering if Red Dead Redemption's on my list, it is not because Red Dead Redemption 2 made me realize that I really hate John Marston. Uh, I think he's a very boring, bland character, and when I got to play with arthur morgan i quickly fell in love with him and the journey of red dead redemption 2 was a very satisfying one i love that game from start to finish i didn't think it started off too slow i don't think it plays poorly i love everything about that game it is beautiful i love the world i love exploring the world i love arthur morgan i love the story and when the game was coming to an end uh, narrative wise and I was getting close to the end of the story and knew that my time with Arthur was coming to an end I got really sad because I didn't want to play as John I wanted to stay as Arthur and I know that it would break the narrative or whatever but I wish the game would give me the option after I finished the main story to just play as Arthur Morgan Let me have that skin back. I don't want to play as John. And that's kind of why I fell off and didn't continue going after animals and getting like all my hunting trophies or stuff like that. I just was bummed that I was stuck as John for the rest of the game and kind of wish I was able to just like there's part of me that's like, can I do I have an old enough save where he's not sick that I can just continue there and play that way. But yeah, I I love that game. And number 9 is Soma, which may be the biggest surprise on this list because I am not a big fan of horror games. I don't do well with them, specifically horror games where you don't have a way of defending yourself. And Soma is a game I always heard great things about, but I never played because I knew I wouldn't be able to play it. And I heard of a mod for PC that made the monsters non-aggressive and... Years later, with the release of it on Xbox One, they, the developers introduced, actually in-game, a safe mode, which they had with the Xbox One version at launch and patched into the PC version at the same time and then later uh, patched into the PS4 version. And because of that, I gave it a go and I was able to get through it and I was so surprised by how powerful the story was. Uh, there were moments in the game where I would be forced to make a decision or not even make a decision I was forced to do something in order to progress and doing that would lead to something that was very unpleasant and I paused and stopped playing for like 10 minutes or just paused the game and just sat there thinking to myself do do I want to do this in order to keep playing the game because what was happening was so horrible. And, and and me having to do this horrible thing in order to keep going really affected me. And I legitimately said to myself, you know, do, do I keep playing this game? Or do I just put it down? It's, it's similar to when I was playing Bioshock for the second time. Bioshock's my favorite game of all time, man. I went through it a second time and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to play Evil. I'm going to harvest all the little girls. And... When I got to the first one and turned into a slug, I'm like, oh, I felt so icky and gross that I immediately turned off the 360, my 360, ejected the disc, and I've never gone back to Bioshock since. Uh So that uh, goes to show how hard it is for me to do bad things in games, so being forced to do some not-so-great things was really hard, but I pushed through because I wanted to see where the story was going and learn more about this world. It was, it's a very, very well-told uh, story and uses the medium of games very well. Then, I'm going to lump, lump number 8 and number 7 together because they're from the same series. Number 8, Dark Souls 3, and number 7, Dark Souls. I... I love the Dark Souls games and the, the way... It's about just being thrown into this world and figuring things out for yourself. Um, I think there are a lot of games that try to do this and they don't pull it off. And I, I can't even say off the top of my head what exactly it is about the Soul series that makes it work so well, not giving you a lot of information. Because I mean, I, I've complained about other games in the past where it's just like, I wish it would tell me this. same. Even like in the latest Attack the Backlog and Onimusha, it not telling me about some controls, but that, that's more mechanics-wise, um, but, yeah, I, I love the worlds that they create, I, I don't love the controls, I have grown used to them, I'm accustomed to using the bumper and triggers for attacking, but I still prefer, if possible, using the face buttons for that, but, the, the boss fights are incredible, the world, like, Dark Souls is above Dark Souls 3 because, while I've probably put more time into Dark Souls 3, Dark Souls 1, I would love to revisit it and, and play through the remaster. That is the one I think back to more frequently and, and how the world is so intertwined with itself. Um, they are incredibly well-designed games and, yeah, if you have the, uh, not ability to play them, but the, the patience stick with them. They're some of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had in gaming. Then number six, Rogue Legacy, which is my favorite roguelite. Um it has every like I love games that are of that rogue style, but I definitely prefer light games to like games because I do like having some kind of sense of progression. I, I always like that like in the Souls games as well, I, I like the fact that I'm getting Souls and I'm able to level up and make myself stronger, etc. Um, not having that does bother me, even though you know that's not important uh, in the grand scheme of things. It's more about learning the mechanics and the world and, and all that kind of jazz, but I do like that and I think the progression system in Rogue Legacy is really good. And then it has so much charm and personality in its visuals and in the enemies. Something that is sorely lacking in probably maybe the other biggest roguelite of the generation, Dead Cells, which feels incredible. I think Dead Cells is probably maybe the best feeling roguelite, uh, rogue but I don't really care about the... end. Like I can't even tell you what the enemies in Dead Cells were. I think they're just like basic-ass zombie-looking whatever boring things. And the world itself wasn't all that... Like, it just lacked personality. And I wasn't a fan of the progression system. I hated being forced to unlock things that I knew I would never use in order to open up the ability to unlock or or further progress in certain um, spaces. Like, the the number of uh, drinks you can have in your health flask. Uh, In order to keep improving that, you eventually are going to have to unlock other things. Because it's like, okay... You've, you've unlocked this, the next one but to unlock it again or to increase it one more you have to unlock 10 different other skills slash weapons etc and you know I'd end up unlocking something that I don't want because I just want to get back to unlocking the things I do want and I hated that progression system because it, it just didn't make any sense to me I know they're probably doing that to um, encourage other play styles but you know what I, I know how I want to play let me do that let me play the way I want to play. Because even though you're going to force me to, like, have, uh, stumble across these things in the world now, I'm never going to use them. I'm just not. There, there are certain things that I know I'm not going to use. Um, yeah, Rogue Legacy is fantastic. I've beaten it multiple times. Uh, I've played it on multiple systems. It's just... It's a delight. Uh, and it, fe- it feels really good. Um, and they're just... I, I, I like the humor of it, too, and how silly can get with its bloodline system and having you know a, a, a certain character they'll, they'll play through the, the game upside down or they'll be colorblind like they play around a lot with these things and it was one of the earliest examples that i can think of that touched upon homosexuality in a, in a very very minor way but i remember one of the traits of a character could be that they're gay and what that did was literally nothing but guess because guess what being gay doesn't mean shit okay doesn't make anyone different or weird or or anything like that the same as anyone else they're just gay ooh big deal so I I love that little 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 touch Um, then I'm going to lump number five and four together because they are from the same developer and one of their other games almost made the honorable mentions but I thought oh this is getting a bit crazy and the other one I really liked but didn't resonate with me in the same way that these two did number five enslaved odyssey to the west and number four hellblade Senua's, Sac- uh, Senua's Sacrifice. so enslaved is a game I was really surprised by Cause I, I don't remember. Like, I would like to go back and play some Heavenly Sword because I don't remember liking it. I finished it, but it, I, it, it didn't click with me, and I don't know why. But Enslaved, just it, it's it got me. It got me good. I remember it finally in part two because it was one of the games I talked about on the first episode of Pixelator Radio, uh, the rebooted podcast that me and Rob did. Uh, which is no longer a podcast anymore but i remember the whole tension between a man and a woman just the thing is like the combat feels really good i, I like the common int- the the climbing introversal, which is very um it, it's like um just like point based or whatever uh you, you don't have free climbing so you, you're not going to end up falling off the things really it's just like okay you jump to this like it, it's very simple straightforward linear climbing but It it feels pretty good. But I was taken aback by the story and how invested I got into these characters' lives and their story uh, so much so that at a point in the game you are... or you learn... It's not that you learn the ability, but you eventually will get to a point where you can carry Trip around. You play as Monkey, and you can carry around to take your pass, obstacles, and stuff like that, and... The second I was given the ability to carry her around, any time that I could carry her, if I wasn't engaged in combat or something, I was carrying her because I just felt this strong bond between me and her, me as monkey and and her, and this strong sense to protect her. So I I always wanted to hold on to her and make sure that she was safe. And I still, like, I, I can remember and fake the... Or like if I if this was video, I could stand up and do the idle animation of how he's holding her, and I just like the it, it's crazy that a game would have a mechanic like that where you can hold the other character and you choose to do it even when you don't have to because of that. And yeah, I just I love that game. And then Hellblade is one of the most unique experiences I've ever had in gaming. Uh, It's a game you really do need to play with a headset. It's powerful. I love the combat. I know a lot of people like, you know, it's got this great story and, you know, really deals with mental illness in a a good way. Um, But, you know, the the combat's not there. I think the combat is fantastic. Um, And it's a beautiful game. I love it. I'm so excited for Senua Saga Hellboy 2. And yeah, I don't I don't really want to say much about it because I think, you know, you should play it and experience it for yourself because it's fantastic. And I'm kind of getting tired of talking about these, these games. Uh, I want to wrap this episode up. Um, number three, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. I am a huge Metal Gear Solid fan. I, I've said in prior episodes, it is my favorite franchise, uh, my favorite series in gaming. I, I adore all of them but four, though I would... You know, Konami just needs to re-release 4 on current consoles and bring it to Xbox. You know, that'd be nice too. And I will replay it and see if my opinions have changed. Because I, I remember just being really annoyed by the game. The fourth chapter uh, was way too pandering for me. Uh, it, it bugged me then. I hated the third chapter, which was just this like hour and a half long uh, follow mission. And then the fifth with the stupid crawling uh, section where you have to mash a button. And fucking, I hate doing that. I hate mashing buttons. And then the fight, which was whatever. But, like, everything that came before that made it so that the fight would in no way please me. Um, but Metal Gear Solid Five has probably the weakest story of any mainline uh, Metal Gear game. But it is by far the most fun to play. I adore that game so much because it's not only the most fun Metal Gear Solid game uh, I think it's one of the most fun games period. I had such a blast with that. Uh, I love being able to call in the chapter and have it blast in some stupid song that I love and I got really into for a few months the whole invasion system of being able to invade someone else's base and and steal their goods and stuff and I found uh, uh, like a I don't know if I found a way of breaking the system or if I was just really good at it, but I was able to successfully invade someone's base all the time. It just, it was a very satisfying loop, and I love the worlds of um, the Phantom Pain of Metal Gear Solid 5. the two different worlds, Africa and I forget the other one, uh, the, the first one, but yeah, I, I I love that game. It's just so much fun. It's a game that I still pop back into just to mess around in it's a great sandbox little playground then number two is to the moon this is a game that if i'm just stepping back and looking at it as a game don't love it that much i think the things you do uh, in terms of playing aren't all that special now there are like some bits at the end that i really didn't care for but why it's so high and why it's so moving to me is that I, like, the story hit me so hard and resonated with me so much. And the way the music was intertwined with the story and the music, like, it is by far my favorite music in any game ever. That will never change. The music to me is probably what puts this game as high as it is because if I ever were to get married, um... I would want to dance. I want my, my first dance to be to a song from *To the Moon*. If I ever had kids, if I had a daughter and gave her away, it's just a weird thing that that terminology and everything. But if I ever had that thing and and had my la- not my last dance, I'm not dying or anything, but you know, had the the father daughter dance. Even though I would be like, I'm not your father, I'm your parent. Your parent daughter dance. Uh, I would want to dance to it to the moon song uh, that's how much the game and the music means to me that I would want to use it in such a significant part of my life um, it, it's just it's an incredible experience something I can't recommend highly enough I can't wait for the Switch version to come out because it's going to open up that game for so many more people I hope they bring Finding Paradise to switch as well. I hope that I hope they bring it to the moon to more than just a switch. I hope they are like, okay, we've done this work, let's bring it to Xbox One and PS4 and, and all that as well, because it's just it's a very fantastic story with unbelievable mu- the music. I, I can't stress that enough. The music is unbelievable. And then number one is Into the Breach. The game that really took me by surprise I, I'm i not a huge strategy person but Into the Breach got me it is by far my favorite strategy game, I think it is the best strategy game ever made uh, I think it is infinitely playable I love the look of it, I love the way things can play out uh, it, it, it seems like there's probably going to be, like you look at it and you're like well once you've done it this many times or so what else is there like it is i don't even know how to describe how good it is it is just it's perfect it is a perfect video game i like i can literally think of nothing to complain about the game uh if you find it challenging you put it down easy that's fine i mean if you find easy challenging then I like, I don't know what to say because I think I think easy is incredibly easy. Um, I don't know if I've ever lost on easy. Um, but I into the breach on switch. It's it's including game pass on PC. No achievements, though, which is kind of a bummer. Hopefully it'll come to Xbox as, as well and PS4 and everything. So I can just keep rebuying it. But I put over 100 hours into it on PC. Then I got on switch and put over 100 hours into it on switch. And I, I just I, love, love, love that game so very, very much. But uh, yeah, this episode is getting very long, and I'm gonna get to what I've been playing, and I'm gonna get through them quick because I don't have that much to say about them. Uh, card Apocalypse is a card battling game where you play a young girl in a wheelchair, and you're at school, and there's this, you know, popular card trading battling game, and. I played it for a few hours... And I could never really get into the... The battling system... I I didn't find it all that satisfying... Um... (laughs) One of the issues too... May have been that... Though I was... I I won most of my fights... But after I I lost one... Uh... In the very end... Because the person just like... Did a bunch of shit that I was like... What the fuck is going on? How do they just summon all these... Like I, I attack them... And then they suddenly summon all these things... With like one sliver of health left... And then they decimating me on the next turn. And I, I also found out that I was playing on the hardest difficulty. I mean, there, there's two difficulties, story mode and like challenge mode. And I was like, what? I thought I put it on story mode. But the, the battling system where you'll have certain heroes and then various uh, cards. You'll have defender cards, which you put out. They will basically be a, a tank that will take the damage of attacks before Uh, any other card so you put them out there to protect your other cards Uh, when you play a card on a turn you can't use it until the next turn so you have to keep that in mind and and make sure you don't play something that will end up getting destroyed before you are able to use it or play some defender cards that will be able to take that beating Um, some cards can be played immediately you have like little mutators that will go into effect when their requirements are met so there's one that uh, if a card of five points or whatever is played, then they'll get their attack uh, doubled. It's it's a pretty basic-ass card-battling game. It just It wasn't doing anything to grab me. Um, the The story was like, whatever, I don't, I don't care about this. Um, so, yeah. It, 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 it's fine, but of the car battling games I've played, it just the, the, the car battling aspect of it wasn't doing much for me. Then Tools Up is a couch co-op game in the same vein as like overcooked, but instead of cooking and all that, you're playing a couple of handyman or handy women who go to houses and paint walls, lay carpet and, and other such stuff. And it gets progressively more and more complicated. So initially, like the first level, you just have to paint a few walls. Then you'll be laying carpet. Then you'll have to prime some walls first before you paint them. You'll have to remove wallpaper from walls uh, before you paint them. You'll have to remove floor, and you'll have to cement the floor, and you'll have to do a lot more things. You'll have to mop up and clean up. And, and it's it's okay, but what my biggest problem, like, I think... It, it, when playing co-op it's, it's a much more manageable game than say Overcooked because instead of having like a bunch of orders that you have to deal with you just have a base time limit to get everything done to, to do all the renovations and it's pretty easy and manageable with another person to be like okay I'm gonna go in this room and paint these walls you go in this room and prepare the floor remove the carpeting for when we get the carpet from the delivery man and you know it, it's very easy to manage these things with another person um so that's nice but like these games there's no satisfying single player campaign you can play the campaign single uh, by yourself but you know as it does get progressively more and more complicated and and, and requires more th- uh, stuff for you to do it becomes very not not so much hectic but it's just like okay I, there's I, I won't be able to manage all this um But the thing is it just lacks personality. Really. Like, there's just there's something missing from it where I think, in overcooked, things can get like really hectic and crazy and out of control, and it, and because of that, it, it ends up being funny and fun in, in its weird way. But with tools up, there's not a lot of humor. Like you can slip and fall if there's a spill and you don't clean it up. But outside of that, it, it feels way more just tedious then tense in the same sense you know i mean these games are all kind of tedious and and, and by nature but tools of just feels mostly tedious over anything else um demon pit is a first a fast-paced first-person shooter that throws you into an arena that you might call pit and then you fight a bunch of enemies that you might call demons and it's a wave-based shooter where you're taking on enemies and wave after wave, they're getting... Uh, not, not They're not getting more difficult, but they'll throw in enemies that are, that are stronger. Um, they'll throw in more enemies. And it's okay, but a game that... I've, I've played all these games on Ice Plus One, and, and these type of first-person shooters are definitely the few that I would prefer playing with mouse and keyboard because of the precision and and quickness of them that I I feel like I need Um, I've managed to make it to wave 15 which put me at number 2 on the leaderboards the game's not out yet, it comes out on the 24th but amongst people with codes out there I am number 2 but after getting to wave 15 I feel like I've already hit the ceiling of where I can get in the console version uh, in part because I think while the majority of the enemies are fine to deal with and easy like... The one. The thing before I get to the enemy issue is that... The thing that makes it stand out to some extent and, and feels pretty good to maneuver around this world is that you have a grappling hook and, and these various points spread across the arena that is changing. The, the arena will change as well between waves so that sometimes the floor uh, in certain parts will fall through and, and be filled with lava... And so you have to uh, avoid all these newfound obstacles and stuff like that. And traps will be set in place where like a rotating laser grid of damaging lasers. Um, Which I like. I really like the grappling system. But while I think most of the enemies are fine and add challenge and and give you reasons to move around the space a lot. There are these basic ass enemies that just stay in one place and shoot at you and what annoys me about them is that they take so much like they are very bullet spongy. I feel like they take 20 plus bullets from a pistol or a machine gun in order to die. And that is where I most want a mouse so that I can be super accurate with them while also being on the move. But even when I'm on the move, I feel like at times I'm getting shot and I'm like, do you just have like homing bullets? like how, where are you shooting me? How are you shooting me when I'm constantly moving? Um, and then I would get to points where I'm like, okay, well you're gonna you're gonna hit me whether I'm moving or not, so I'm just gonna get right up in your face and shoot your face until you're dead and just take the the damage because they don't do a lot of damage with their bolts, but they're just really annoying. And I imagine, like I'm almost a hundred percent sure that if those enemies in particular were removed from the game, that I would have a much better time with it. But the problem is that because of them, and dealing with them, I just feel like I've hit this ceiling, and I'm like... Because like, so often in the levels, when they're in them, I will take out every other enemy, and then I'll just have to deal with them, and then I end up wasting all my ammunition just trying to get rid of them, because the pistol is just going to be a waste... Like, the, the, the speed of the, at which the pistol fires and all that, and, and it's damage just going to like, If I'm left with just the pistol, then I'm going to take down... Like, it's just... It's a bummer that... Those enemies are in there because I just feel like they take away from the experience. Then, Stramium Immortally is a two two D uh, shooter where you play a little like blue guy and you go into these little spaces shooting enemies. And I'm not I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't really like the look of it. It's got a really ugly aesthetic that is unpleasant to look at, a little bit muddy, and I hate. The mechanics of the game in that you can you fly, you're just flying around these spaces and you get into a, an arena and then you clear out all the enemies and then there might be a chest in there that'll give you an item or improve your health or blah 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 whatever um, you know it's a roguelike like um, but I hate the fact that you can only shoot left or right and you shoot in the direction you're moving but uh, when you press the the fire button and hold it down you will always shoot in that direction until you let it go but like there are so many situations where I'd end up in a place and I'm like, I just, like, why, if it was a twin stick shooter, if that's the way it controlled, it would feel significantly better, and I'd feel way higher on it. But the fact that I can only shoot left or right and there are times where it's just like, even if I can only shoot left, right, up, and down, I'd like it a lot more, but being forced to do that and, and moving around, like, there are plenty of times where I'm moving around trying to avoid things and letting go of the fire button, and then I end up shooting in the wrong, like, I, I hate the way the shooting feels in the game. And th- there's no getting around that. And I hate the name. Stramium Immortally is just like, what is this nonsense that you've spit at me? Um, so yeah, that's just a, a bummer. And then the Williams uh, Volume 5 collection for Pinball FF, uh, FX3. It's a solid collection of good tables, but I've really come to realize that I vastly prefer the pinball arcade williams table i just i prefer the way pinball feels in the pinball arcade game Uh, i think the physics the way the ball the camera like everything about the pinball arcade game i prefer i mean outside of the fact that with pinball effects you have much better ui you have better leaderboard community aspects and all that and and if you like progression and stuff like that like the Pinball FX series is much more gamey, whereas the Pinball Arcade is just about giving you these very closely emulated versions of the these Pinball Tables. And I prefer that just bare-bones emulation as opposed to adding all these flourishes. I do like that with the Williams Tables, you can just press, I believe, the B button on Xbox One to remove the visual flares. Because they add visual flares, uh, like, you know, you'll have a, a flying carpet and a, a moving genie and a live genie in uh, Tales of the Ravian Knights, uh, for example. And you could turn that off if you want. You can turn it off, uh, turn it on and off, which is kind of cool to look at. But playing those, I just, I feel like the pinball arcade is much more accurate. Just like I, I, I can't really go back to pinball effects anymore it just there's something about it that just feels a little bit too gamey i, I feel like the ball bounces in horrible ways at times I, I, I find that it's it's more challenging in the sense that the ball likes to just pop out more often but yeah i like the look of pinball arcade 2 uh as well um i i'm sure the fidelity is higher on pinball FX, but the the few little things you can adjust the the lighting of the room the space and then the lighting of the table uh i always put it around like 20 percent for the room and max it out for the table in the pinball arcade and i I think it looks fantastic and i just i I love those games Um, but at the same time if you didn't buy those when they came out you're screwed you can't play them so you know as much as i might say that the pinball arcade versions are better you're, you can't get them now anymore so um, if you if you really like these classic tables you remember playing them these are really solid versions it's just that and, and I mean if you are somebody who loves the pinball effects uh, games and, and the way they feel then you know these will be right at home but um that'll do it for this episode of the pixelated sausage podcast which went a little bit longer than i expected and now i got to find something to add for the video because i was playing demon pit and then i realized that i can't keep playing this for like an hour or however long i would need for this full episode knowing that i was going to do the games of the, the, the decade i'm like shit um so i'll figure that out i guess but uh, yeah, once again, I'm your host, Mark Crisonez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PXSauces. The site is, of course, PixelatedSauces.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Cedro Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify and Pandora. Pandora. Uh, if you'd like to check out the video version of this here show or Attack the Backlog, you can go over to YouTube.com slash sauces and watch them both there. Speaking of Attack the Backlog, the last Guardian episode will be going up this Sunday. I've already wrapped that episode up. I should have, given how close it is to launch, but I've also wrapped up the Little Nightmares. I have recorded the audio for Hotline Miami and Cat Quest and One Piece World Seeker, and I've edited all those, so those will be. I'll be finalizing those this weekend, so I'm going to have a nice cushion again. And I think I was going to play Control, but I'm like, I kind of don't want to play another real ass game and I keep hearing people talk about Slay the Spire so that's going to be the next game which will be an interesting one because I'm, I'm not even sure how that game is set up uh, in terms of like does it have a story thing going on or whatever like you know it's in the same way that I think of like games like Civilization and like well if I want to play these for Attack the Battle just like okay I play it for so many hours until I feel like I've gotten a feel for it and then, then that's good for those type of games Uh, So, yeah. I'm excited to play that. It's on Game Pass, and yeah, then I'll probably hit Control, and then Sekiro, or Remnant. Control is definitely the one, the next real game I'm playing, but then I'm thinking, do I want to jump into Sekiro, or do I want to do Remnant first? Um, But, uh, yeah. That that will do it. Uh, If you'd like to check out the art I'm making, go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link, and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode. And if you celebrate Christmas or do whatever you do, I hope you have a, a very lovely holiday and all that jazz. And I will I will talk to you after it, because there's still one episode. The 700th episode will be the final episode of this year. It's crazy that it ended up turning out that way. Kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, my mouth is super dry. I want to send us something to drink, because it's been talking too much. And yeah. All right. Bye!